Uh, and it's all about understanding that the, it's, it's all about the individual living, breathing human being in front of you. And he's not part of a market and he's not part of a segment. He's not part of a niche. You don't think of him as part of a generation or a persona or any other agglomeration of anonymous buying units of indeterminate size. It is a living, breathing human being. The more you, you, you connect to that person, the more personal the experience is going to be, the better it's going to be. Joe Pine is here, best-selling author of The Experience Economy. So excited about this one. Uh, you've probably been hearing the word experience a lot. Resident experience, investor experience, your team experience, the rental experience. Um, it's language being used more and more, and the word is really intentional. We'll get into why that is. Well, Joe, thanks again for being with us today. And uh, I know we've really been looking forward to this at Second Nature uh, to have you on. We've been studying your work for some time. Uh, I first, I think I first saw a recording of your TED talk um, a couple years oh, ago. 2004. And then uh, it's, it, I only saw it a couple years ago. It's still making its way around, um, even, though, even though you did record it in 2004. Um, I remember there was a Qualtrics conference that they had you speak at that at least a portion of it was recorded. And then some people here know Christopher Lockhead uh, because he was actually a speaker in one of our previous events. And I caught you on his podcast. I'm like, man, this guy's popping up everywhere. Uh, and this idea is really interesting about the experience economy and taking a step back and looking at, um, you know, how, how are businesses, how are people creating value today? Uh, how are they doing that yesterday? How might they be doing it tomorrow? And I'm looking at our interview questions, just really excited to hear what you have to share here. Um, Joe, why don't we get started with what sparked uh, the experience economy? Like, you know, it, it's a big freaking undertaking to write a book um, for anybody that hasn't <laughs> done it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, what, what were you seeing or what happened? What sparked for you, uh, you know, the call to say, we got we to write a book about this? Well, that, well, it actually came out of the first book that I wrote, uh, which was mass customization. You know, mass customization is about how do you efficiently serve customers uniquely, give them everything that's exactly what they want, but do it at a price they're willing to pay. And what I recognized was that customizing a good, a physical good, automatically turns into service because you're helping people um, design what it is they want. Then you make it and then you deliver it to them individually. You know, goods are standardized, services are customized. And uh, ask what um, uh, customization does to a service. I shot back that customization automatically turns a service into an experience. And I went, wow, that sounds good. You know, like, hold on a sec, I got to figure this out. And, and I recognize that if you do design a service that is so appropriate for this particular person or company that you're working with, then you can't help but make them go, wow, and turn it into a memorable event, turn it into an experience. And so from that, I realized that experiences are, in fact, a distinct economic offering. That's the, probably the most important thing to understand. But so many people read the book and still don't get it. They think CX means experience, and it doesn't. But experiences are a distinct offering as distinct from services as services are from goods. 
And that means you'd have an economy there. Well, Larry, look at that. I love it. We've gone from an agrarian economy based off commodities through an industrial economy based goods or products as you have them there through a service-based economy. And now we're in an experience economy where that's what people want. They want experiences. We, you know, we don't need more stuff. We got enough stuff. What we want are the experiences that we value and give our lives meaning. Well, I think that's great. And I know a couple of people have seen that image before and that layout before of, hey, there's a customization train going up here, yep. right? And there's a commoditization train going the opposite direction. Right. Um, and that <clears throat> drives, you know, the more easily that something is duplicated, right? The more easily uh, that it's replicated, the, you know, commoditization effect starts to take hold. And a lot of property managers, you know, experience that because they've been in a service business for a long time. Uh, and they see technology, they see other people interested in getting the business, um, et cetera. And whether there's, you know, specific names or just categorical examples like that, uh, they can feel it. You know, there's, uh, there's competition and, and pressure on management fees, et cetera. Um, and uh, they got to find ways to, to create new value. And a lot of them have started to make this shift, yep. um, you know, into... Uh, in a more experience-centric business. So here's what I want to ask you, Joe, to follow up, which is the book was originally released in the 1990s. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know if that was ahead of its time uh, or, you know, in some places, right I'm sure it was right on time. Right on time. Um, <laughs> you know, and people are saying, well, in other industries now, we're really feeling uh, this is right on time for us now. And so you've updated the book from, the 1990s to 2011 to just this past year, I think. Like, what has changed in your mind? What updates, you know, would you share in thinking uh, from when you started to today? Well, there, there, there's so much, obviously, that has changed, although the basic principles, the frameworks are all the same. Um, but you, know, you think about when we wrote in the late 1980s is that the World Wide Web was this, you know, nascent thing. Uh, and most people still hadn't heard of Amazon at that point. And now it's just like taking over. And, and, and the thing is, is that the, inter the internet, which basically first came about for research, for information services, but then became a place that, you know, we use the term surfing because it was an experience to be on there, that it basically became the biggest uh, force of commoditization in the world. That the frictionless environment means that customers can instantly compare price prices from one vendor to another and tends to push them down to the lowest possible price. But yet now, then you have the continued rise of digital technology. In fact, I wrote a book a number of years ago called Infinite Possibility, um, uh, Creating Customer Value on the Digital Frontier, that now the possibilities exist to be able to create digital experiences, you know, whether through augmented reality, virtual reality, through using our phones, through using other technologies. Um, digitization of so much has been a big effect, and it has both that commoditization uh, as well as that customization effect, because anything you can digitize, you can customize. And then as well as the, the enabling new experiences that, that were never before uh, possible. Um, one other thing we saw since um, we first published was the rise of authenticity, that, that it was just as the, as the world became more and more of a paid-for experience, people increasingly question what is real and what is not. And people don't want the uh, fake from the phony, they want the real from the genuine. So authenticity is basically the new consumer sensibility for the uh, the experience economy. 
And of course, obviously, what you've seen in the last 20 some years is this explosion of experiences. You know, escape rooms didn't exist when we wrote the book. Immersive art experiences didn't basically exist when we wrote the book uh, the first time. All these new genres of experience are out there, and all of them are out there trying to capture uh, people's time and get them to spend with them. So you have this tremendous competition in the experience economy for, as we put it in the subtitle of the 2020 re-release, is we're competing for customer time, attention, and money. So, uh, you know, that's a perfect segue to talking about competing for time, attention, and money. And I know time will probably underline a couple of times. I remember in your book, you talked about a service's time well saved and an experience's time well spent. You know, could you give a couple of examples to kind of highlight that point? Yeah, I mean, what 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 services do basically is that it's people doing activities, so you don't have to do them yourself. You know, when I get together with a large group of people, and I want to make this uh, this point, and I don't know, it's probably not worth you know like raising your hand here on on, on Zoom and that. But the question is, how many people here uh, still change your own oil in their car? <laughs> right. That's, it's, if, there's, if there's one person, I'd be surprised, right? It still changes the moment. Why? Because you can do it so much better, so much cleaner than I can do it myself. And that's what services do. Whether it's going out to uh, you know, fast food restaurants instead of making it home, whether it's sending your clothes out to a cleaners or dry cleaners instead of washing them at home, um, you know, changing the oil in the car, all services are about that, you know, or, or calling up a taxi or an Uber or a Lyft instead of driving yourself. All those are activities that provide time well saved. What experiences are, as you said, is their time well spent, where people actually value the time that they are spending with you. you know, and, and experiences aren't a new economic offering. Experiences have always been around. And, and you think about sporting events and concerts, plays, movies, and, and entertainment of all sorts. It really, it's the time that you're spending that is what people value. So that question then becomes, you know, are you in the service business or are you in the experience business? Now, experiences are built on top of services. So there's aspect about time well saved inside of experiences. Like you want to go to Disneyland and spend a half hour getting into the park where all that fun stuff is right there for you to do. You want that, that service of, of admission to go as quickly as, as possible so you can get to the fun stuff, to the time well spent that you want. So that's true of any, of any business. So built atop those services, how when you are spending time with your customers, when, when, when they are, more importantly, when they are spending time with you, and then again, that could be you personally, that could be on an app, that can be through on your website, how, on your call center, you know, or you're talking on the phone, how can you make that into an engaging experience, right? That's the key word experience. You engage people, you reach inside of them and engage them in an inherently personal way that creates a memory. Right? That's the hallmark of an experience. Mm. And, you know, Joe, just before we go into what makes an experience meaningful and memorable, I know you've got five elements we'll talk about, but I, I just want to um, share with the audience in case they haven't heard this example before, you know, I know our CEO uh, has taught this at certain times of, <clears throat> if we look at the example of like a birthday cake, we were actually talking about this, I think, right before everybody came in. Um, you know, if you look at, actually, I'll come back right over here. Right. If you come back to the 
the commodities, right? You've got the flour, you've got all the things that go into the milk, the eggs, et cetera, that go into it, the sugar. Well, you know, Betty Crocker and uh, <laughs> Pillsbury, Duncan et cetera, Hines. said, well, hey, there we go. Duncan Hines, good one. You know, they customize all those materials to say, we're going to make the specific product of a, a cake, right? Or a birthday cake, not just a cupcake or something else, right? So there's a customization across all those materials into different products. Uh, and of course, what's the price here, you know, versus the price here, you know, you can see it's starting to go up. Well, that's been commoditized, right? And so then you start to see, okay, services are built that are inclusive of the product, that are inclusive of the, inclusive of the materials. And you go all the way to, you know, a party planner who is, is doing everything from custom invitations to, you know, all of the different products and services, et cetera, and bringing it all together to create uh, an experience that people say, wow, uh, that, that was time well spent and not just, uh, you know, time well saved um, in addition to that. And so and the, thinking the, the about increase in value there, sorry, the increase in value there, Andrew, could be an order of magnitude. Every one of those levels, you get 10 times as much money. Why? Because you created 10 times as much value. That's it. And so thinking about property managers saying, starting to think more, I think they have rightly said we're in the service business, right? And delivering great service is still going to be critical. Right. <laughs> But the, the verb changes from delivering services to staging experiences. Right. When you read the book, th that'll mean more to you. Uh, designing experiences and staging experiences for people. L let's talk about what makes an experience meaningful and memorable, Joe. Y you've got five elements. Uh, how do you want to lay these out and, and walk through this? <laughs> so, so basically, the, to state them is that, and this is the, this is the, the, sort of the structure we put on the 2020 re-release of the book is that what you want to do is stage experiences that are robust, cohesive, personal, dramatic, and even transformative. And so robust experiences to start there are those that hit the sweet spot of these four realms of experience. And, and I won't go into all the details, but basically you can have experiences that are entertainment, educational, escapist, or aesthetic. And, you know, entertainment, we all know we're watching TV, going to a movie, a concert, play, that's entertainment. Uh, educational is about where we learn as a result of what we're doing, which can happen in not just a formal classroom. It can happen anywhere where we have that. Escapist is where we're going from one place to another. And uh, your tourism is the number one industry in the world. The World Tourism Organization says 10% of the world's population is based off of tourism, and that's fundamentally escapist, going from where you are. But, but anytime we're, we're actively doing something, you know, we watch um, um, uh, golf on a TV, entertainment, we play golf, escapist. And then finally, there's the aesthetic experiences. Aesthetic experiences are those where you just want to hang out and be like going to a cafe, uh, going to an art gallery or museum, uh, being in the... In the um, uh, Grand Canyon, for example, is, is, is the height of aesthetic experiences. But the best, the most robust experiences are those that hit the sweet spot in the middle, that have aspects of all four of those. So it means you need to think about how you design for all four elements. Many businesses are naturally in one of those. But the question is, what elements can we add that would make it more entertaining? 
what can we do to help help people learn? What, what can we provide for them to go and to do? And how can we provide a place where we just be? And that includes the design of the experience, how things look and feel, and, 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 and et cetera. So again, try and hit that sweet spot in the middle is what robust is about. Mm. And then, you know, I, it, it makes me think about um, Starbucks as being such a great example of that. Of They ask the question, how do we create an experience so good uh, that people make this their third place, right? right? Uh, where they want to be. H- how would you think about um, cohesive and breaking breaking that one down? So, so cohesive is about is about having an experience that hangs together. You know, what so often happens, we have an experience. Say, oh, let's do this, let's do that, let's do. You just splat all this stuff against the wall, and not all of it sticks. So, it's about having an organizing principle for the experience, and that's it's very simple. Uh, is is it's what we call a theme. You know, for a lot of people, theming has bad bad connotation because you think, well, it's got to be fantasy like Disney. It's got to be uh, in your face like a theme restaurant, which is not the case. But it's what your organizing principle. It's how you decide what's in and what's out. I'll give you just one hotel uh, example because you think about a property there, and that's the Library Hotel in uh, Manhattan. It's on 41st Street and uh, Madison Avenue. And the theme of the library hotel is slightly different. It's actually Dewey Decimal System. So it's you know, everything is organized around the Dewey Decimal System. So you walk in, there's a card catalog behind there. You get bookmarks and so forth. There's books there. And so they have it's a boutique hotel of 10 floors of, of rooms, uh, six rooms in every floor. And every one is a different classification in the Dewey Decimal System. You know, there's an art floor, there's a math and science floor. Uh, there's a literature floor and so forth. And so you get to your room and to your classification. It's filled with both books as well as art objects for that particular one. So it's simply how they organize the experience. And it works wonderfully, wonderfully well. If you don't design a cohesive experience, then it sort of becomes like, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. You know, and I can already tell, I just want to, I want people to know after we cover these you know, we're going to talk about a concept of how does this apply in real estate uh, in, in a little bit more to you. Um, you know, where, and, and again, we think the people on this call and the people that we're going to get this book to, uh, you know, in, at NARPM Nationals in Kansas City, um, you know, if you're thinking about things this way, you're going to see opportunities. It's, it's kind of, it's that effect of, you know, I, I drive a yellow car, before I had a yellow car, I never noticed yellow cars like mine on the road. <laughs> and now that I have it, I start seeing them everywhere. And it's not because there's more yellow cars all of a sudden, but you, you start seeing opportunities differently. And I hope you can take this framework in to say, okay, as I look for these kind of principles at play, see more examples, I'll start to see opportunities in my own business to do this. But we'll give a couple of practical examples and put this in some context before we're done here. So let's move to dramatic Joe, if you can cover that one next. Yeah. Uh, so actually, I'll, I'll, let me let me look at personal first because then you lead up because you want to lead up to the drama, right? You got to lead up to the climax. So um, uh, personal is recognizing again that experiences happen inside of us. It's the reaction of those engage, uh, that, that go to the stimuli in front of us. So you need to reach inside of people, engage them, and then that brings in customization again. Customizing all the goods and services is a great way to be able to do that, to understand what's well, as simple as using somebody's name or their preferred way that you want to, to call them, uh, to uh, write personal thank you notes when, when things are done, 
Two, using the high end of technology to fully mass customize things that you're doing, such as increasingly being done with, uh, with experienced platforms to be able to do that. Uh, and, uh, and it's all about understanding that the, it's all about the individual living, breathing human being in front of you. And he's not part of a market and he's not part of a segment. He's not part of a niche. You don't think of him as part of a generation or a persona or any other agglomeration of anonymous buying units of indeterminate size. It is a living, breathing human being. The more you, you, you connect to that person, the more personal the experience is going to be, the better it's going to be. Mm. I know there's some people on this call who have gotten uh, personalized cookies with their logos on them and uh, experienced some of this at Second Nature uh, as part of our interactions with folks uh, where they've seen personalization and customization at play. All right, so you said you want to end with dramatic. Does that mean we're going well, transformative? I want to lead up to dramatic. We've still got transformative after that, but dramatic okay. is dramatic. Dramatic is recognizing that you can't have a flat experience. You know, that's, that's time well saved. It's just like nothing much happens. you got to rise up to a climax and come back down again. So it is about designing things intentionally to, 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 to create that dramatic arc, right? Otherwise, you, you've got nothing. And, and recognizing, too, that when you stage experiences, your work is theater. You know, it's not a, it's not a metaphor. I mean, work as theater I literally mean your work is theater. Whenever you're in front of customers, you're on stage. And you need to engage them in a way that, that uh, or you need to act in a way that engages them as the audience of your, of your performance. Mm. You know, I know at Second Nature, we talk about every interaction is an opportunity to create an experience. Exactly. And when you start to view things that way, you start to treat the opportunity of the moment differently. We, we have a practice that we call moment making. And it's, you know, how do you make a moment happen for somebody? How do you make their day? How do you make their week? Um, how do you surprise? How do you delight? How do you um, create the unexpected, which seems like it plays into the dramatic piece. Absolutely. And then you know, transformative so that we can, uh, can round out the five and not leave, leave people hanging. What would you say about that, Joe? So transformative, in fact, is a fifth and final economic offering that, that experiences can be commoditized. But when you customize an experience, when you design one exactly right for this person, you can't help but turn to what we call life transforming event or uh, in other words, a, a life transforming experience. So, so transformation is about understanding that we only ever change through the experiences that we have. And so if you can understand what somebody's aspirations are and help design those experiences, help them achieve those aspirations, whether that's to, to go from having an apartment to being in a home, for example, as being a key aspiration that people have, how do you help them make that, that transformation? Then you'll gain even more economic value. And so healthcare, mm -hmm. fitness centers, management consulting, coaches of all stripes are all really in the transformation business. And I think it's an opportunity also in property management. Mm. So in starting to turn practical, uh, I'm going to deliver on that promise here, which is something we talked about last month, Joe, and it was featured Brian Jenkins, Deb Newell, Karen Jordan, uh, a couple of whom are on this call with us today. They talked about running high impact Zoom calls for investors. And so what these property managers are doing is every quarter they're getting their clients together uh, and creating an educational experience for them 
And when I think about transformative, you know, language kind of reflects a difference in thinking or a difference in being. And we notice this important languaging happening in our industry of there's old language of owners. And it's kind of this static thing of, yes, I'm the property owner. I have property. But, but something happens, you know, that these property managers are doing as they're educating folks from property owner to turning them into property investors, you know, or an accidental owner into an intentional investor, and Love that they're that. participating in that process and in that transformation. Uh, you know, that takes effort, that takes time, but that's something that, you know, down the road, hey, we'll see, I think people do that extremely well. And there's ways to monetize it. There's companies on this call who offer consulting, if you will, kind of as a service. And they're really kind of a guide, guiding these type of transformations, um, you know, for folks who are helping them get to where they want to go and helping them be who they want to be and creating those experiences um, that move them along the way. So it, it, could you talk a little bit about, you know, I think people have got to be wondering, like, okay, Andrew, we've got this thing here, but surely if we're here, you know, at the experience economy, eventually, you know, maybe it's a hundred years in the future, I don't, <laughs> whatever it happens, but there's gotta be something after this, right, Joe? I mean, how do you, if you customize experiences, what, what comes after that? Right. That's the transformations, right? The transformations are in fact, a distinct economic offering where people are asking for your help to change them. Rather than being left up to all the different possibilities out there, you know, develop a solution that uh, that helps them achieve their aspirations. You talked about uh, terminology, Andrew, but so you, in transformations, you think in terms of aspirations and outcomes. What's the outcome that you're going in? Customer success, right? How do we make them a success in what they want? In ends versus means is another key one, and ensuring that that things happen. You know, all those sorts of words are important. And, and the aspect of the economic function, like you deliver services, you stage experiences, you point out, you guide transformations, right? You, you can't do it for them. You can't make them do it, really. I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can only set the conditions. It's a guiding, it's a coaching standpoint. So think about being guides and coaches for your property owners. And as you say, then transform them into property investors. Mm. That's really great. And there's a lot of brilliant minds on here, I think, who are, they know the kind of thing, the information gaps, they know the skill gaps, they know the kind of things uh, that they can start to, to work with to help take people on that path. There's a, a great comment here I just want to call out from Michael McCreary, and I would throw it up to everyone. We'll probably have a couple minutes here at the end where if there's any questions you have specifically for Joe uh, about the experience economy or things that we're talking about, things you'd want to be more clear Feel free to drop them in the chat. If we have time, we'll get to those. But I, I want to read Michael McCreary's comment just in case anyone's catching this. Uh, you know, I, I remember there's a couple of people driving right now. I don't want them to try to go <laughs> read the comment. We're doing so much with tech website, showing services, portals, that the personal touch has become such a challenge, even with multiple remote team members. It seems that getting that personal touch back in the relationship for both clients, the investors, and tenants or residents has become the missing key uh, to the difference second nature shown by example. And so, you know, here's what I want to come back to that I love that Michael's pointing out here. 
again, there's two trains. One is the, the customization train, right, for creating value on up, up the stack here. On the other side, right, you've got the commoditization uh, effect. And I don't want to discount this because this is an important part of a, a way to create value in a business, right? If you're the fastest to do it a little faster, a little better, a little cheaper, right? If you outsource labor that's more expensive in one place, right? And uh, you outsource it somewhere else to get the same job done less expensively. Well, it's, it's easy to see how that creates, you know, an economic difference, etc. But, you know, if that's the only train that you ride, and the only train you ride is the, the train of commoditization, then where you might find yourself ending up is in a low margin business, right? Um, that isn't creating a lot of new value that's more defensible, you know, kind of over time and, and bulletproofed against other, uh, you know, forces or competition, you know, coming to the space, trying to get the same job done for customers. And so, you know, what we would encourage people to do is not think it's, it's not one or the other, it's both, right? You, you want to do things more efficiently. You want to find a way, uh, you know, to do things at a lower cost. You want to find a way to be more effective in those kind of ways and lead, you know, on the commoditization side. That's one way to create value. But there's this huge upside on the other side, uh, like Joe was talking about, where you get factors of, of multiples. You're not shaving a percentage here or there, 20% here or there, You've got a chance to 3x, 5x, 10x orders of magnitude, um, create a whole different business. And that, that gets us at Second Nature very excited about the future of property management in this industry and the people here who can participate in those kind of opportunities. So, um, Joe, here's what I want to do. Experience platform lessons. Uh, let's cover that. And then I'd love to, I'll draw one more picture for people. Uh, <laughs> about what's happening in real estate as we see it in different segments and what they can kind of see for the 20, 30 year vision out here for single family, family rentals. Um, so experience platform lessons. Yeah. As I my, say that, what does uh, that spark for you? I, yeah. I, I actually just completed in June, a, a multi-client study on experience platforms and coming out with a toolkit in the, in the, in the coming months about it. And, and we see more and more of the economy on platforms. I mean, commodities first have always been sold on platforms. The Amazons and Ebays did it with goods. You've got the Ubers and the Lyfts, et cetera, with services. And now increasingly, we see experience platforms too. You think of probably most notably Airbnb experiences, you know, where you don't just rent a, a, a couch or a room or a house. You, 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 you book the experiences that you want to have. Uh, while you are visiting a particular locale. And so, so one is to recognize that we can create platforms for that. And with platforms, what happens is you could now create an ecosystem of complementers that, that can vastly expand what you can do. You could never do everything it takes to be able to provide a total solution for an apartment owner for everything that they're doing. But if you can be the one that has the relationship and then connects in all of these others, uh, for them as well as for their tenants, right? I think that's where the big opportunity is, is the tenants, the one that are experiencing this, this is, is what can you then do for them that, uh, you know, through, through such a platform that goes beyond just the mere services of, you know, uh, uh, replenishing toilet paper and so forth. 
Um, so I think there are huge opportunities there. There are four different functions that you can provide in a platform. The one that all of them do is basically connect. You connect the end user with a um, experienced stager out there somewhere, make that connection, they can book it, boom, done. Um, but you can also then curate these, not just open it up to everybody, but you can say, okay, we've got a certain, you know, like Virgin has a Virgin Experience Days in the UK and in Australia and other places. I think they're coming to the US actually this year. And you can book all these experiences, but they all are fit in with the Virgin brand, right? There are things like adventure travel and, and going up in a balloon and eventually into space and, and so forth. Uh, so curating them according to who you are as a company can be a, be a big help. Customize is the other one. It's great customize. And what we see, one of the big things we see is companies that are creating mass customized itineraries that basically we're going to schedule out the entire experience for you. Carnival does that on its cruise with its ocean medallion system, for example. Um, but, uh, but Airbnb doesn't do that. You're left to, you're left to your own devices. Oh, I got to remember I got this event now and this event then, and I got to check out at this time instead of creating you an itinerary of what the possibilities are. And I think that's a, a big deal. And then finally is the, the most value is in creation is how do we actually create a platform that allows people to create their own experiences and then be able to share those and come together with different people uh, to be able to do that. And so you need to think about where you can provide the, the most value in creating um, um, an experience platform for, for tenants as well as potentially for uh, owners and investors. Mm. You know, I promise one more picture and I'm going to see if I can throw this out here. Okay. So, you know, what we've got referenced, I think most people will know the acronyms here. We've got single family rental, yep. which as a, a professional industry is growing uh, and expanding. We've got multifamily housing, uh, call it apartment living. Yeah. There's the hotels and, you know, I'll have you fill in this blank in just a moment here, Joe, but the, here's what we notice is that hotels are probably leading the way as far as in the real estate industry for experience design and staging experience, et cetera. You know, if I go to a Ritz-Carlton hotel in uh, Marina del Rey, there was a property there I went to to celebrate an anniversary. And uh, I said, hey, you know, it's our anniversary. I called them like a day before. Is there anything you can do? And of course, there was champagne chilled right when we got there. There were chocolate-covered strawberries. There was a nice note, you know, concierge services, everything else. And so, you know, I remember that specific property, even though I was only there for a couple of days. It's a really memorable and meaningful experience that they created around the service of, here's a bed to lay your head on, right? And you see the hotelification of large apartment buildings starting to happen, and the amenities and, and the community spaces, and they're thinking about how are we connecting our residents to each other? Um, you know, what kind of experiences can we offer and create for them here and what's available to them here that's inclusive of paying us rent uh, and everything that's going on there. And then we start to see, man, it's like the wild, wild west over here in SFR in a really exciting uh, possible future that we can go down. But, you know, things that, People in their 20s want, you know, the, the golf simulator and the bark park, you know, might be different from, you know, the couple with a, a kid or two. Uh, there's, there's, you know, different demographics here and different kind of experiences that people might create to attract the kind of residents that they want. 
and that are typically in single family rental housing. And it's everything from the product chain, service chain on up uh, that we're seeing of, you know, single family rental house is uh, that's designed for rent. There's build for rent is a big topic in our industry now. It's like the, the hallways are wider and the stairways are wider because they know there's furniture that's going to be moving up and down out of those homes <laughs> a little more frequently than your typical home. And there's a lot that's happening here. Now, I think you say, you know, the ones that hotels should be looking at and eventually maybe everyone could get caught up to at some point are, you know, places like amusement parks. You were talking about Disney earlier. Um, I think you've even said like cruise lines. Right. you know, as an example of like an aspirational example, you know, to think about as a North Star to head to. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's basically those companies that have been in the experience business for a very long time that already are ahead of the game and hotels are sort of catching up. I still remember an ad from the 1990s that Marriott had that said, the last thing you want in a hotel stay is a memorable experience. Because the only thing they could imagine you create a memorable experience out of is bad service. <laughs> Something bad happens. And now everything they talk about is that experience. And so, but there have been, been, been companies that have been in this for decades, and that's who we need to learn from and recognize that we're in the experience business. And again, what, with those transformation possibilities, you could, you know, so probably what you want to do is not draw, draw one arrow there lead from a hotel, but 10 arrows, maybe 100 arrows, maybe 1,000 arrows of all the companies that are competing in experiences now, as well as in transformation, where the one I'll mention is transformative travel. And what a lot of hotels are doing is recognizing that people actually want to travel to help transform themselves, the communities in which they go in, transform the world. And, uh, and so there are huge opportunities when we play into that about what we can do to help people feel a part of the world and, and, and then help give meaning to their lives and what, and what they're spending their time on. We talked about services as time well saved and experiences as time well spent. Transformations are time well invested, you know, that pay a dividend and gain compound interest now and into the future. The driving questions for the single family and small multifamily garden style apartments, the people, you know, on this call, I saw Brian Birdie who has some short-term rentals and uh, you know, you reference Airbnb, they're really creating an experience of live like a local. Right. Right. That, it, that, that could be um, <laughs> That's their theme. Right? right. Live like a local. It's, it's, not, it's not just a different version of a hotel or a cheaper version of a hotel. It's a whole different experience, right, of living like a local, which is a great example. And um, how much hospitality comes into play there, um, you know, that's big. As I think about the driving questions for our industry – you know, we, we think about it, the Triple Win podcast and the, the lens through which we see it through is how do we create a resident experience so good that residents say, I, I don't want to leave, right? I'm not moving to another property. I'm not, and there's everything that goes into that. You know, it's the maintenance, it's the leasing experience, the application. I mean, through all kinds of communication, every interaction point is an opportunity to create an experience. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of ways this can add up over a long-term, you know, residency, um, you know, with a property manager. So how do we create a resident experience so good people don't want to leave? Another one is how do we create an investor experience so good they don't want to sell? They want to hold and they want to buy more, right? And that's something that really gets, gets juices flowing 
uh, and the kind of opportunities there, how we can create better investor experiences. And then finally is, how do we create a better experience for our team so the talent wants to be in this business forever? And many of the things um, that you talked about here, you know, people can even just think about their own work environment, how things are staged, not just the physical environment, but what, what's people's experience at work? What's the experience of their team? What's the experience of their vendor networks, the extensions of their team, you know, working, connecting with their organization? Is it the kind of organization and experience created where they say, I love that property manager. Uh, and when they call, I'm answering, you know, if it's after hours, uh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that because you know, there's great experience design taking place all across the board. So it can feel a little bit like going to Mars here um, <laughs> to say we're going to go from, from here to there in this big grand vision. And I just want to offer people that, you know, second nature thinking about this, we said, well, hey, what's the number one first step you can take and what's an experience platform we might be able to provide? I know Randall Henderson's on the call. Stephen Walters was telling me at the PMI conference, uh, there was a franchise who stood up and said, you know, my number one source of revenue is my management fee. My number two is my leasing fee. My number three is my resident experience platform, my resident benefits package, which has a suite of different services that all roll up into this unique professional experience that differentiates the professional manager uh, from the accidental landlord and what they can do on their own. It's why we're so passionate about this and we believe it's a, bit, it's a great place to start and an easy place to start on the journey. And there's a lot more uh, mountain to climb ahead to create a truly amazing resident experience, investor experience and team experience. So Joe, I, I wanna leave you with the last word before we get people into our activity. Is there anything else we didn't cover today that you just feel it would be a shame if you didn't cover it? Well, there's there's too much, <laughs> and 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 so the thing about it is that you 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 can't get everything from this conversation, this time they're having. But Andrew, I love those two questions you brought up. Right, those are exactly the right questions. Uh, when everybody does get the book, read it. Be sure to read chapters one, four, six, and nine in the preview, right? Those are, if you feel like, oh, I don't want to read this whole book, those are the ones, preview one, four, six, and nine. Well, Joe, thanks so much. That's all for this episode of The Triple Win. Thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers. <laughs>